0: Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Sea of Monsters by Rick Riordan, Chapter Two. I played dodgeball with cannibals. My day started normal, or as normal as it ever gets at me. Whether college prep, see, it's this progressive school in downtown Manhattan, which use, which means we sit on beanbag chairs instead of. and we don't get grades, and the teachers wear jeans and rock concert t-shirts to work. That's all cool with me. I mean, I'm ADHD and dyslexic like most half-bloods, so I've never done that great in regular school, even before they kicked me out. The only bad thing about Merriweather was that the teachers always looked on the bright side of things, and the kids weren't always, well, bright. Take my first class today, English. The whole middle school had to read this book called Lord of the Flies, where all these kids get marooned on an island and go psycho. So for our final exam, our teacher sent us into the yard to spend an hour with no adult supervision to see what would happen. What happened was a massive wedgie contest between the 7th and 8th graders, two pebble fights, and a full tackle basketball game. The school bully Matt Sloane led most of those activities. Sloane wasn't big or strong, but he acted like he was. He had eyes like a pit bull and shaggy black hair, and he always dressed in expensive but sloppy clothes, like he wanted everybody to see how little he cared about his family's money. One of his front teeth was chipped from the time he'd taken his daddy's pores for a joyride and run into a Please slow down for your children sign. Anyway, Stallone was giving everybody wedgies until he made the mistake of trying it on my friend, Tyson. Tyson was the only homeless kid at Merriweather College Prep. As near as my mom and I could figure, he'd been abandoned by his parents when he was very young, probably because he was so... Different. He was 2 meters tall and built like a nominal snowman, but he cried a lot and was scared of just about everything, including his own reflection. His face was kind of mishapen and brutal looking. I couldn't tell you what color his eyes were because I could never make myself look higher than his crooked teeth. His voice was deep, and he talked funny, like a much younger kid, I guess because he'd never gone to school before coming to Merriweather. He wore tattered jeans and a grimy size 20 sneakers and plaid flannel shirt with holes in it. He smelled like a New York City alleyway because that's where he lived, in a cardboard refrigerator box off of 72nd Street. Mary Prep had adopted him as a community service project so all the students could feel good about themselves. Unfortunately, most of them couldn't stand Tyson. Once they discovered he was a big softie, despite his massive strength and his scary looks, they made themselves feel good by picking on him. I was pretty much his only friend, which meant he was my only friend. My mom had complained to the school a million times, and they weren't doing enough to help him. She called social services, but nothing ever seemed to happen. The social workers claimed Tyson didn't exist. They swore up and down that they visited the alley we described and couldn't find him. Though, how you miss a giant kid living in a refrigerator box, I don't know. Anyway, Matt Salone snuck up behind him and tried to give him a wedgie. Tyson panicked. He swatted Salone away a little too hard. Salone flew five meters and got tangled in the little kid's tire swing. You freak, Salone yelled. Why don't you go back to your cardboard box? Tyson started sobbing. He sat down on the jungle gym so hard, and he bent the bar and buried his head in his hands. Take it back, Salone, I shouted. Salone just sneered at me. Why do you even bother, Jackson? You might have friends if you weren't always sticking up for that freak. I balled my fist. I hoped my face wasn't as red as it felt. He's not a freak. He's just... I tried to think of the right thing to say, but Salone wasn't listening. He and his u- big ugly friend were too busy laughing. I wondered if it were my imagination or if Salone had more goons hanging around him than usual. I was used to seeing him with one or two or three, but today he had like a half a dozen more, and I was just pretty sure I'd never seen them before. Just wait till P.E. Jackson, Salone called. You are so dead. When first period ended, our English teacher, Miss Demilio, came outside to inspect the carnage. He pronounced that we understood Lord of the Flies perfectly. We all passed, of course, and we should never grow up to be violent people. Maxillow nodded earnestly, then gave me a chip-toothed grin. I had to promise to buy Tyson an extra peanut butter sandwich at lunch to get him to stop sobbing. I am a freak. He actually no, I promised, gritting my teeth. Mast Loan is the freak, Tyson sniffled. You're a good friend. Miss you next year if if I can't his voice trembled. I realised he didn't know if he'd be invited back next year for the community service project. I wondered if the headmaster had even bothered talking to him about it. Don't worry, big guy, man. Everything's going to be fine. Tyson gave me such a grateful look. I felt like a big liar. How could I promise a kid like Tyson that anything would be fine? Our next exam was a science. Mrs. Telsa told us that we had to mix chemicals until we succeeded in making something explode. Tyson was my lab partner. His hands were way too big for the tiny vials we were supposed to use. He accidentally knocked a tray of chemicals off the counter and made an orange mushroom cloud in a the trash can. After Miss Tesla evacuated the lab and called the hazardous waste removal squad, she praised Tyson and me for being natural chemists. We were the first ones who'd ever ace her exam in under 30 seconds. I was glad the morning went so fast because it kept me from thinking too much about my problems. I couldn't stand the idea of something might be wrong at camp. Even worse, I couldn't shake the memory of my bad dream. I had a terrible feeling that Grover was in danger. In social studies, while we were drawing latitude and longitude maps, I opened my notebook and stared at the photo inside. My friend, Annabeth on vacation in Washington, D.C. She was wearing jeans and a denim jacket over an orange Camp half T-shirt. Her blonde hair was pulled back in a bandana. She was standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial with her arms crossed, looking extremely... Extremely pleased with herself, like she personally designed the place. See, Annabeth wants to be an architecture, and when she grows up, she's always, shows she's always visiting famous monuments and stuff. She's weird that way. She emailed me the picture after spring break, and every once in a while, I look at it just to remind myself she was real and Camp Half-Blood hadn't just been my imagination. I wish Annabeth were here. She knew what to make of my dream. I never admitted it to her, but she was smarter than me, even if she was annoying sometimes. I was about to close my notebook when Matt Salone reached over and ripped the photo out of the ring. Hey, I protested. Salone checked out the picture and his eyes got wide. No way, Jackson. Who is this? She is not yours. Give it back. My ears felt hot. Salone handed the photo to his ugly buddy. Who snickered and started ripping it to spit was. They were new kids who must have been visiting, because they were all wearing those stupid. Hi, my name is Tag from the admission office. They must have had a weird sense of humor too, because they all filled in strange names like Mayo Sucker Skull Eater and Joe Bob. No human beings had names like that. These guys are moving here next year, so i like he was supposed to scare me, I bet they can pay the tuition too, unlike your retarded friend. He's not retarded, I had to try really, really hard not to punch Stallone in the face. You're such a loser, Jackson. Good thing I'm going to put you out of your misery next period. His huge buddies chewed up my photo. I wanted to pulverize them, but I was under strict orders from Chiron never to take my angers out on regular mortals, no matter how obnoxious they were. I had to save my fighting for monsters. Still, part of me thought if Stallone only knew who I really was. The bell rang. As Tyson and I were leaving class, a girl's voice whispered, Pussy! I looked around the locker area, but nobody was paying attention to me. Like any girl at Merryweather, would ever be caught dead calling my name. Before I had time to consider whether or not I'd been imagining things, a crowd of kids rushed for the gym carrying Tyson and me along with them. It was time for a P.E. Our coach had promised us a three-for-all dodgeball game and Max Malone had promised to kill me. The gym uniforms at is a sky blue shorts and tie-dye t-shirts. Fortunately, we did most of our actually stuff inside, so we didn't have to jog through the becker Tybeca- the Tribeca looking like a bunch of boot camp hippie children. I changed as quickly as I could in the locker. Because I didn't want to deal with Salone. I was about to leave when Tyson called Percy. He hadn't changed yet. He was standing by the weight room door clutching his gym clothes. Were you, uh, oh yeah. I tried not to sound aggravated about it Yes, yeah, sure man tyson ducked inside the weight room i stood guard outside the door while we changed i felt kind of awkward doing this but he asked me too most days i think it's because he's completely hairy and he's got weird scars on his back and i never had the courage to ask him about anyway i learned the hard way what people tease tyson While he was dressing, he'd get upset and started ripping the doors off lockers. When we get into the gym, Coach Nunley was sitting at his little desk reading Sports Illustrated. Nunley was about a million years old with bifocals and no teeth and a greasy wave of gray hair. He reminded me of the Oracle at half Led, which was a shriveled uh, mummy, except Coach Nunley moved a lot less, and he never billowed green smoke. Well, at least not that I'm that i'm obsessed observed matt salone said coach can i be captain Eh, coach only looked up from his magazine yeah he mumbled mhm salone grinned took charge of the picking he made me on the other the other team's captain but it didn't matter who i picked because all the jocks and the popular kids moved over to salone's side so did the big group of visitors on my side i had tyson Corey Bailey, the computer geek, Raj Maldi, the calculator whiz, and the half dozen other kids who always got harassed by Salone and his gang. Normally, I would have been okay with just Tyson. He was worth half a team all by himself, but the visitors on not worth half a team all by himself. But the visitors on Stallone's team were almost as tall and strong looking as Tyson, and there were six of them. Matt Stallone spilled a cage full of balls in the middle of the gym. Scared, Tyson mumbled, Smell funny. I looked at him. What smells funny? Because I didn't figure he was talking about himself. Then, Tyson pointed at Solon's new Smell smelled funny. The visitors were cracking their knuckles and eyeing us like it was slaughter time. I couldn't help wondering where they were from. Someplace where they fed kids raw meat and beat them with sticks. Salone blew the coach's whistle and the game began. Salone's team ran for the center line on my side. Rajmandi yelled something in Urdu, probably, I have to go party, and ran for the exit. Corey Baylor tried to crawl behind the wall m- mat and hide. The rest of my team did their best to cower in fear and not look like targets. Tyson, I said, let's go. A ball slammed into my gut. I sat down, hand in the middle of the gym floor. The other team exploded in laughter. My eyesight was fuzzy. I felt like I just got the Heimlich maneuver from a gorilla. I couldn't believe anybody could throw that hard. Tyson yelled, Percy, duck! I rolled as another dodgeball whistled past my ear at the speed of sound. Woom, He hit the wall mat and Koi Baylor yelled, Hey, I yelled at Stallone's team, you could kill somebody. The visitor named Joe Bob grinned at me evilly. Somehow he looked a lot bigger now, even taller than Tyson. His biceps bulged beneath his t-shirt. I hope so, Perseus Jackson. I hope so. The way he said my name sent chills down my back. Nobody called me Perseus except those who knew my true identity, friends and enemies. What had Tyson said? They smell funny. Monsters. All around Massillon, the visitors were growing in size. They were no longer kids. They were two and a half meters tall giants with wild eyes, pointy teeth, and hairy arms tattooed with snakes and hula women and valentine hearts. Massillon dropped his ball. Whoa, you're not from Detroit. Who? The other kids on his team started screaming and Backing towards the exit, but the giant named Meryl threw a ball with deadly accuracy, sneaked past Raimondi, just as he was about to leap, and hit the door, slamming it shut like magic. rods and some of the other kids banged on it desperately, but it wouldn't bolt. Let them go, I yelled at the giant. The one who called Joe Bob growled at me. He had a tattoo on his bicep that said, JB loves Baby cakes. And lose our tasty morals? And lose our tasty morals? No, son of the sea god. We're Lassagians. Aren't just playing for your death. We want lunch. He waved his hand and a new batch of dodgeball appeared on the center line. But these balls weren't made of rubber. They were bronze the size of cannonball, Perforated like wiffle balls. With fire bubbling on the hold. They must have been searching cheering hot, but the Giants picked them up like with their bare hands. Coach, I yelled, Nimmoly looked up sleepily, but if he saw anything abnormal about the dodgeball game, he didn't let on. That's the problem with mortals. A magical force called the mist observes the true appearances, the monsters and gods from their visions, so mortals tend to see only what they can understand. Maybe the coach saw... A few eighth graders pounding the younger kids like usual. Maybe the other kids saw massons thugs getting ready to toss molotov cocktails around. I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the first time. At any rate, I was pretty sure nobody else realized we were dealing with genuine men eating bloodthirsty monsters. Yeah. mhm, Coach muttered, "Play nice," and he went back to his magazine. The giant named Skull-Eater threw his ball. I dived aside as the fury bronze Comet sailed past my shoulder. Corey, I screamed. Tyson pulled him out from behind the exercise mat just as the ball exploded against it, blasting the mat to smoke shreds. Run, I told my teammates. The other exit, they ran for the locker room, but another wave of Joe Bob's hand found that door. Slammed shut. No one leaves unless you're out, Joe Bob Ward, and you're not out until we eat you. He launched his own fireball. My teammates scattered as it blasted a crater in the gym floor. I reached for Riptide, which I always kept in my pocket. But then I realized I was wearing gym shorts. I had no pockets. Riptide was tucked in my jeans inside my gym locker, and the locker room door was sealed. I was completely defenseless. Another fireball came streaking towards me. Tyson pushed me out of the way. The explosion still blew me head over heels. I found myself sprawled on the gym floor, dazed from smoke. My tie-dye shirt, T-shirt peppered with sizzling holes. Just across the center line, two hungry giants were glaring down at me. Blessed, they bellowed. Here with blessed for lunch. They both took aim. Pussy needs help, Tyson yelled. He helped. He jumped in front of me just as they threw the ball. Tyson! I screamed, but it was too late. Both balls slammed into him. But no, he caught them somehow. Tyson, who was so clumsy, he knocked over lab equipment and broke playground structures on a regular basis and caught two barry metal balls speeding towards him at a zillion miles an hour. He sent them, huddling back towards their surprised owners, who screamed, BAD! As the bronze sapphires exploded against their chest, The giants disintegrated into twin columns of flame, a sure sign they were monsters, all right. Monsters don't die, they just dissipate into smoke and dust, which saves heroes a lot of the trouble of cleaning up after a fight. My brothers, Joe, Bob, and Cannibal wailed. He flexed his muscles, and Baby Cake's to rippled. You will pay for their destruction. Tyson, I said. Look out! Another comet hurled towards us. Tyson just had time to swat it aside. It flew straight over Coach Newley's head and landed in the sand with a huge kaboom. Kids were running around screaming, trying to avoid the ceiling craters in the floor. Others were banging on the door, calling for help. Salone himself stood petrified in the middle of the court, watching in disbelief as balls of death Lew around him. Coach Numbly still wasn't seeing anything. He tapped his hearing aid like the explosions were giving him interference, but he kept his eyes on his magazine. Surely the whole school could hear the noise. The headmaster, and the police—somebody would come help us. Victory will be ours! Roared Joe Bob the Cannibal. We will fear, feast on your bones. I wanted to tell him he was talking. He was taking the dodgeball game way too seriously. But before I could. He hefted another ball. The other three Giants followed his lead. I knew we were dead. Tyson couldn't deflect all of those balls at once. His hands had to be seriously burned from blocking the first volley. Without my sword, I had a crazy idea. I ran towards the locker room. Move, I told my teammates. Away from the door. Explosion behind me. Tyson had battered two of the balls towards the owner and blasted them to ashes. The two left. Two giants still standing. A third ball host straight at me. I forced myself to wait. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Then dive aside as the fiery sapphire demolished the locker room door. Now I figured the built-up gas in the boys' locker room was enough to cause an explosion. So I wasn't surprised when the flaming dog ball ignited a huge boom. The wall blew apart. Locker doors, socks. Athletes, sports and other various nasty personal belongings reigned all over the gym. I turned just in time to see Tyson punch Skull Eater in the face. The giant crumpled but the last giant Joe Bob had wisely held on to his own ball waiting for an opportunity. He threw just as Tyson was turned to face him. No I yelled. The ball caught Tyson square in the chest He slid the length of the court. He slammed into the back wall, which cracked partially, crumbled on top of him, making a hole right onto the church street. I didn't see how Tyson could still be alive, but he only looked dazed. The bronze ball was smoking at his feet. Tyson tried to pick it up, but he fell back, stunned into a pile of cinder blocks. Well, Joe Bob gloated, I'm the last one standing. I'll have enough meat to bring baby cakes, a doggy bag. He picked up another bone and aimed it at Tyson. Stop, I yelled. It's me, you want. The giant grinned. You were die first, young hero. I had I had to do something. Riptide had to be around here somewhere. Then I spotted my jeans in a smoking heap of clothes, right by the giant's feet. If I could only get there, I knew it was hopeless, but I charged. The giant laughed. My lunch approaches. He raised his aimless throw. Suddenly I braced myself due the- to to die suddenly the giant's body went rigid his expression changed from gloating to surprise right where his belly button should have been his t-shirt ripped open and he grew something like a horn no not a horn the glowing tip of a blade the ball dropped out of his hand the monster stared down at the knife that had just run through him from behind he muttered ow and burst into a cloud of green flames when i figured was going to make baby cakes pretty upset. Standing in the smoke was my friend Annabeth. Her face was grimy and scratched. She had a red backpack slung over her shoulder, her baseball cap tucked in her pocket, a bronze knife in her hand, and a wild look in her stormy gray eyes like she'd just been chased a thousand miles by girls. Matt who'd been standing there dumbfounded the whole time, finally came to his senses. He blinked at Annabeth as if he dimly recognized her from my notebook picture. That's the girl. That's the girl. Anna punched him in the nose and knocked him flat. And you, she told him. Lay off, my friend. The gym was in flames. Kids were still running around screaming. I heard sirens wailing and garbled voices over the intercom. Though the glass windows of the exit doors, I could see the headmaster, Mr. Bounce, wrestling with the... The look, a crowd of teachers pulling up behind him. Annabeth, I stammered, how did you, how long have you? Pretty much all morning, she set her brother's knife. I've been trying to find a good time to talk to you, but you were never alone. The shadow I saw this morning, that was, my face felt hot. Oh my God, you were looking in my bedroom window. There's no time to explain, she snapped, though she looked a little red faced herself. I just didn't want to. There, a woman screamed, the doors burst open, and a doors came pouring in. Meet me outside, Annabeth told me. And him, she pointed to Tyson, who was still sitting dazed against the wall. Annabeth gave him a look of distaste that I didn't quite understand. You better bring him. What? No time, she said. Hurry. She put on her Yankee baseball cap, which was a magic gift from her mom, and instantly vanished. That left me standing alone in the middle of the burning gymnasium when the headmaster came charging in with half-faculty and a couple of police officers. Percy Jackson, Mr. Bronze said. What? How? Over by the broken wall, Tyson groaned and stood up from the pile of cinder blocks. Head hurt. Max was coming around, too. He focused on me with a look of terror. Percy did it, Mr. Bronsie. He set the whole building on fire. Colt Nunley will tell you he saw it all. Um, Coach Nunley had been dutifully reading his magazine, but just my luck, he chose those moments to look up when someone said his name. Eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other adults turned toward me. I knew they would never believe me, even if I could tell them the truth. I grabbed the tide out of my ruined jeans, told Tyson, come on, and jumped through the gaping hole in the side of the building.